today we have before us the text which uh, we have often meditated on in our Christian lives, I think, Romans 12, 2. Um, if you haven't memorized Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, set that as a priority. Um, but uh, this is the pivotal point between everything we've talked about in Romans so far and the application thereof. Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We're going to be breaking this up into three parts. Do not be conformed. We'll talk about being conformed. We'll talk about being transformed, transformed by renewal. And finally, the will of God. The will of God is what is good and pleasing or acceptable, and so much so that it is perfect. Let's go back and look at uh, Romans 12.1. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. What makes a sacrifice holy? Think back in uh, Jewish tradition, somebody came and offered a sacrifice, it's like an animal from their like herd or flock. What's so holy about some cattle? It's, it's the one to whom the sacrifice is offered that makes it holy. And so it is with us. What makes a sacrifice holy? God makes you holy in your offering of yourself. We know that the whole scripture is about Christ. He said so. How then is Romans 12, 1, or 1 and 2, about Christ, primarily, before being about anything else? By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's about Christ. P please turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 2. Ephesians 5 2 explains it and it interprets it Christologically. Ephesians 5 1 and 2. Therefore, because of the forgiveness and the mercy of God, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's what's happening in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Christ, who is our pattern and example in all things, has offered himself as the ultimate uh, offering and sacrifice of God, and so we follow in his footsteps. We said, what does that look like? It looks like we love him, and how do we work out our love for him? We said last week, uh, the rest of chapter 12 is more about uh, explanation of what it looks like for how we love one another, because love for him means love for one another. Here are the practical nuts and bolts of it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
then you will be able to understand what God wants in every situation. What God wants is good. This, um, this uh, sermon is essentially a part two to Josiah's message this morning. So if you missed it, um, please go back and spend time, make a point, you know, set a date, make an appointment, put it on your calendar, and get alone and quiet and listen through his message. Number one, do not be conformed to this world. Why not? The world calls good evil and evil good. The mind set on the flesh. If, if our mindset is fleshly, it's death. The mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. The mind that is conformed to this world or to this age is a fleshly mind. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 9. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. That's what's happening here in Romans 12 too. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Here's what it is, church. So often, we Christians are trying to be conformed to the world, making an identity based on the values of the world. Somebody can't be conformed to Christ if they're trying to be conformed to the world. You cannot have two masters. Either you will love the one, uh, hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia and said, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And then Peter repeats it, and he says, the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Like, we've already tasted enough of that. It's, it's time to move on from following the passions and desires of the flesh because we ate our full of that, we ate our fill of that, and it turned to poison in our stomachs. That, that life makes a, leads to spiritual sickness. The time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. So what do we do instead? This verse tells us how we put off the old and put on the new, like it says in Ephesians 4. Point two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, please... Uh, uh, I, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to go back and listen to Josiah's sermon if you missed it. Um, the mind that is fleshly conformed to the world is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. At the cross, Christ gave us a new identity. 
We died, and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. And now there's a mop-up operation, a daily fight for our whole lives to be conformed to the image of Christ, and we're working to make disciples and build, as we're working to make disciples and build the kingdom of God. It is the gospel that transforms us when the Holy Spirit makes the gospel real for us, renewing our mind and transforming us to think God's thoughts and be dependent on the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural life where the Holy Spirit lives in us and we live out of the power of the living God as he imparts supernatural life to us moment by moment. That's what it means when it says the abundant life in Scripture. It is the gospel that transforms us when the Holy Spirit makes it real for us, renewing our mind and transforming us to think God's thoughts and be dependent on the leading of the Holy Spirit. The gospel comes to us through the Scripture and the church. It's a process of putting off the old and putting on the new, the renewing of the mind. Look at Romans uh, chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Paul urges us, You know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believe. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. It's, jealousy is the sneaky one there. The other things you can see, you could measure, but, but there's something in our heart that needs to change. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes fixed on Christ. This passage is focused on Christ, and you can't just not be conformed, but be transformed by doing all the right things and doing your uh, spiritual disciplines. Instead, we do the spiritual disciplines by keeping our eyes focused, fixed on Christ. We see Him in the Word, and we see Him in the church. Though the world wants to squeeze you into its mold, the Spirit works through the Scripture and the church to transform your mind if you take advantage of the opportunities, or more as you take advantage of the opportunities. The Holy Spirit powerfully takes the Word of God and the love and the rebuke of Christians with whom we share our lives and transforms our mindset from fleshly and worldly to having the mind of Christ. Point three, we're moving fast. Discerning the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is the will of God? We say, if it is God's will, I will get this job, I will do this, I will get married, whatever, right? 
that may or may not be the will of God for your life, and I hope you get all the good things. But here's what we know about the will of God for all of our lives. It is the will of God that we should be sanctified. It is the will of God that we should make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do according to all that Jesus has commanded us in all the scriptures. That is the will of God for your life. It is the will of God that the nations of the world should become the kingdom of God and of his Christ. It is the will of God that you should be a bond slave of Jesus Christ, being renewed in knowledge in the image of Christ and not be conformed to the values or image of this worldly age. You were created by him and for him. Your identity is in him. You need the gospel and the scriptures and the fellowship of fellow saints to renew your mind. It was God's will that the Son of God should die for our sins, ransoming us, buying us for God. It is God's will that he should delight in us and sing songs of joy over us, like Stephen taught last week from Zephaniah 3.17. It is God's will that he should give us a personal share in his holiness, a personal stake of his holiness. And it is God's will that he should have mercy on us and bring us together to worship him, us with all of our diversity. It is God's will that we should love one another as he has loved us. This is the will of God for our lives. Only by having our minds renewed in these truths are we sanctified so that we can discern the will of God in our specific life situations. The will of God is good. How often do we buck and fight against the will of God? The will of God is good. The, Holy, the Spirit works through the Scripture and the church to transform our minds to want what God wants. Then we learn by practice that what God wants is good. Why? Because it glorifies Him and is best for us in that order says R.C. Sproul. The will of God is good because it glorifies Him and because it's best for us in that order. What God wants is perfect, really. Indeed, there is no better thing than being bond slaves of Jesus Christ. He gave Himself for us. We give our lives as a living sacrifice to God. It would be a mistake to read Romans 12 too. do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that means you do the will of God, and read it as a list, as a set of directions on how to live as a, as a bunch of do's and don'ts. The rest of Romans 12 gives specifics on you know, how we love one another, how we walk out Christian holiness and community. Um, the Bible is not a set of directions on how to live. The Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The commands of God, therefore, are not burdensome, they are life-giving when the Spirit transforms our minds through the gospel so that we want to please Him.
Think about this. Jesus is God. Though he was God, Philippians 2 verse 6, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all other names. In Romans 12:1, we see Jesus at, we, we see Jesus exalted. He, our pattern and example in all things, gave his life as a living sacrifice. And we follow him to the cross and offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's why we do what we do. We do it because he did it first, and he's our example and pattern in all things, but we chiefly do it because he's worthy. We do it for his glory. And what is for his glory is simultaneously, completely in our best interest. The world wants you to have the world's values, but God wants you to be content in him, fulfilling the purpose for which you were made. He delights in you and wants you to be completed and find fulfillment in doing the thing most worth doing, knowing him and serving him. Paul found this, and he hoped we all would find it too. That is, living the life of a disciple of Christ, a.k.a. a bond slave. Paul wants us to know that what God wants is better than anything and worth giving yourself to do what pleases him. This passage talks about giving yourself to him and pleasing him which might sound hard if you think you have a lot to lose. But there's a flip side to this cross, this following him to the cross, this laying down our lives, this offering and serving. This passage is about satisfaction, contentment, and joy. You see, you were made to glorify God. Nothing else in this world will ever satisfy you even good things. The will of God is ultimate good. In fact, it's perfect. One who is a practitioner of an Eastern religion may seek perfection by losing oneself to be united with the ultimate. And another may seek to preserve one's life by pleasing every God out there. But consider how attractive it is to serve Christ alone. When you're pleasing Christ, there's no one else you have to please because he is the Lord of all. It is worth, it is worth it to trade the passing pleasures of sin for the pleasure of pleasing the Lord. And we learn that 
by practice and by making a lot of mistakes and finding a lot of grace. Seek him, listen to him, and he will feed you with the finest of the wheat, Psalm 81, and with honey from the rock. He says, and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you, says the Lord. Uh, Psalm 81.10 says, open your mouth and I will fill it. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Psalm 27.14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. It is hard to fight against sin. Fight! In the morning, you will be satisfied with his likeness. Sorrow may last for a night, but what, saints, comes in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. Where is the fullness of joy? Where can we find it? It's all around him. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Romans 14:7. The kingdom of God is not a matter of do's and don'ts. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And according to James 1.25, the law of God, that is the commandments of God and the whole of Scripture, gives freedom, gives liberty. James 1.25, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Pilate said, what is truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus prayed to the Father on our behalf, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We need to be sanctified, our minds cleansed by the washing of water with the word. And we need that every day so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus said, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. The word of God speaks. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Where do we go to find every word that comes from the mouth of God? We open our Bible. Psalm 19 the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. Verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock, and my Redeemer. 2 Corinthians 5.9, we make it our aim to please Him. 
Meditate on the scripture. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Keep your Bible open because you find Christ when you open these pages. Read it throughout the day. Stick to a Bible reading plan and read through the whole Bible, often reading through whole books of the Bible in a short amount of time. Every Christian should read through the whole Bible again and again and again, maybe twice a year, maybe every two years, something like that, for as long as we live. Regular Bible reading and Bible meditation is a must because if you're not regularly reading your Bible, you're not feasting on the bread of life. And we're missing opportunities for the gospel to come to us, renew our mind, and transform us into Christ-likeness.